You're listening to Castrol CarCast on Podcast One. Well, we cover a lot of ground in this show. We get into uh, virtual SEMA. We get into the T-Rex. We get into the uh, Raptor. We get into uh, Senna or the Senna McLaren, that is, and, yeah. and a lot of lot of cool stuff coming up. First, I'll tell you about chemical guys. You want your car to look great. You got a passion for shine. You need uh, to check out chemical guys. One of the top brands in auto detailing for over 20 years. They want to teach you how to use their products. They don't want to just sell you the products. They want you to make sure you know how to use them. So you can visit one of their detail garage locations around the country, take classes, talk to one of their on-site team experts, or you just check out their YouTube channel, learn on your own. Over a 1,000 how-tos. So more than just products, they built a community. And whether you just want to put a little weekend wash on your car or you want to detail it like a pro, Chemical Guys help you find your passion and make it shine. It's Chemical Guys, right, Matt? Yeah, visit uh, chemicalguys.com slash carcast. Use the code carcast for 20% off your first order. That's chemicalguys.com slash carcast. Hello, everyone. This is Eagles Hall of Fame quarterback Ron Jaworski, and I am so excited to bring you the hottest new podcast for the NFL and gaming. Welcome to Jaws Picks, featuring me, Ron Ron Jaworski, and some of the most famous names in sports, music, and entertainment, as I give you my expert analysis and predictions of each and every NFL game. (coughs) So far this season, my predictions are over 55% correct against against the spread. That's a pretty good number, folks. And over 67% picking winners straight Straight up. up. You do not want to miss out on this podcast. Every week, I will tell you who how and why each NFL game will be decided. <coughs> Take the guesswork and stress out of gaming and subscribe to Jaws Picks wherever you get your podcast. That's Jaws Picks wherever you get your podcast. Stay safe, take care, and let's make some beer money. <coughs> Get it on, got to get it on. The choice better get a mandate. You get it on now. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for telling a friend. We love that about you. This is uh, CarCast, Matt Crawl. That's Matt, the moderator, DeAndrea over there. Hello, how you doing? Good. Your hair looks clean. Yeah. Did you get a haircut? Well, I, like a week ago, but I haven't seen you like a week. Oh yeah, I've yeah, <laughs> been, been traveling. traveling all over the place. Yeah, doing a um, hundred shows in Florida. How's Florida? Yeah, I know you hate Florida. <laughs> there's things to hate about Florida. There's things to like about Florida. But uh, speaking of Florida, I was actually just watching uh, Wayne Carini's show mm-hmm. and uh, last night. And uh, I wish he'd stop working on like the pre-war stuff. <laughs> you know, just get something, get a get something in there. You know, get a get a mirror in there. But. Anyway, uh, they went to Amelia Island and they had all these shots of Amelia Island. And I thought, oh, yeah, I miss Amelia Island. I miss the big car shows. I missed, uh, I miss, you know, the golf courses with all the endless, you know, sea of Italian yeah. cars, all the different categories and seeing all the race cars. Like I, I, I miss getting out there and uh, being with the car guys. Yeah. Like we were saying before, I was, the, the only event i think that's going to be happening is going to be barrett jackson in january and that's going to be very limited in size yeah i'd love to get uh out to laguna seca that the i the rolex historics i i forgot like um how it's like some kind of car booster shot of of <laughs> you know four days of just seeing all these cars and all these guys and hearing all the sounds and all that stuff and missing ears, just like, oh, yeah. shit, I feel like uh, I'm running low. Well, it's all outdoors, so it's very dangerous. Yes, I know. <laughs> what the fuck? All right. Anyway, uh, talk to um, Jeff Dunham. Yeah. I forgot about, uh, I mean, I knew about his Batmobiles. I know about his Pacer. I know about all that shit. I forgot about his purple GT. And I forgot 
Or maybe yeah, I didn't new, know. His new, because he's got... Uh, Ford GT, yeah. He's He's got one or two of the previous generation versions and one, like, modified. It has, you know, the supercharger or the or the Targa roof or something. There was a company that did a modification. Oh, it. right. That yeah. company. That, on the first gen. Yeah. Uh, but he's also got the new one that's purple. Mm-hmm. And uh, for some reason, I thought it was wrapped because... How else would you do a purple for GT? But he said, "No, it's from the factory." Yeah, he had, a, he had a, like that. paint, paint a spec or paint the color or whatever. Yeah. So the um, <laughs> I like Jeff Dunham. Though. I he's, love Jeff Dunham. He's, he's a he's a really he's just a sweet guy. He's like a totally nice sweet guy. guy. Makes all his own puppets. Yeah. <laughs> and you know the other thing that's uh, going on is um, oh god, what do I want to say with the Ford GT? You know the first gen. I don't mean the first gen, but I, I mean, you know, 04, 05, whatever. Uh, those things are climbing back up now. So yeah. remember, they they were, you know, a buck fifty all day long, and then they hopped up to like 250 or three. Then about five years ago, you were like, these things are moving. And then they flattened out for mm-hmm. like five years after that, maybe four or five years after that. They're starting to head back up now. I've seen many and, over three and, now. And the special edition ones, like the heritage ones and stuff, you can see a nice bump in value for those. And the new Ford GT, uh, they were doing, I think it was 2,000 total, doing like four runs of 500, depending on the list you were on. And uh, I don't know what the, the result ended up being for our buddy Ken Lingenfelter, but he was on the list and he got his build kit you know like we can mm-hmm. get and right around that time is when ford said we're doing a special edition we're doing like an all carbon version it's even going to have a few performance upgrades and i don't know if that meant it was an extra hundred thousand dollars or he didn't want to pay for it you couldn't get on the list but they did make a few couple of like special versions of that car within that 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 two-year run within that whatever two thousand cars well, I guess the moral of the story is if you're going to get a car like that, get the special heritage, carbon, whatever, get everything you can on it because uh, down the road when it comes to value, the difference between a sort of blue Ford GT, you know, 05 with a white stripe and one that has a Gulf heritage or whatever, that could be about 150 grand. Yeah, and I'm sure it was anywhere near 150 grand for the options, you know. So you're right. you're getting back a, a ton on the investment, right? Um, let me uh, hit this guy's uh, our, our friends at Dodge real quick. We all know that Dodge means horsepower and muscle, but did you also know that JD Power has ranked Dodge number one for initial quality? JD Power also named Dodge the automotive company with the best driver appeal for mass market brands. It's fantastic. So there's never been a better time now to join the Brotherhood of Muscle. See your local Dodge dealer or visit Dodge.com today. What else in the car world? Well, I've got a little exciting week planned for myself next week. And uh, talking with, uh, with McLaren, I've been wanting to drive the McLaren GT, which is the 2 plus 2 car, right? It's kind of their entry level. It's got the little back seats in it. Um, yeah, we saw it at the Quail last year or whenever the mm-hmm. hell we were at the Quail last. <laughs> Starting mm-hmm. to lose time. Right. And, you know, it's supposed to be just a great kind of all-around kind of GT car fit in that realm. Uh, so I reached out to them and they said, yes, we're going to get you one you can drive. And I said, well, now that we're on that topic, there's the 765 LT. Now, the 720S McLaren is one of my favorite cars to drive. Just a great all-around performer on the street it's crazy performance on the track it's just one of the coolest one of the best supercars you can drive and they said hey we've got that but what if we did a lightweight version with the thin seats and stripped out some of the sound deadener and turned up the horsepower and just made a kind of a batshit crazy version Mm -hmm. the 765 Mm -hmm. lt Mm -hmm. and uh they have that Mm -hmm. um so next week i'm gonna drive the gt i'm gonna drive the 765 lt and for one day only in between those cars, not even a whole day. The lightning. They're, I'm going to drive that every day. They're, uh, they're going to love me. They're going to put me in a Senna. Oh, really? Yeah. So next week, <clears throat> GT 765 and a Senna. 
I don't know what you're doing on Thursday, but I'm bringing that Senna by here. <laughs> the um, I love the Senna. I don't. I think yeah. you know the the McLaren stuff is nice. It's a little sterile, but it's really nice. But the um, the Senna. But they work. That's the thing oh, about it. Of course, like they work of course great. they work. Yeah, this this the Senna has an aesthetic, and I don't know if it's the rear tail. I don't know if it's the color scheme we saw it well, in. We do like the way the wing, the sort of the uh, the standoffs for the wing kind of go up and around and over, and the wing kind of hangs underneath, which is kind of cool. Are the Senna's all the same color scheme? No. Oh, you can get them however you want. Yeah, and there's a couple of crazy color combinations and stuff. I'm not exactly sure what they're sending me, but I was actually, I was talking to Goldberg this week and he did an event at the Bondard School and a bunch of people showed up as part of this video thing. Uh, I think it's the one he did with Kevin Hart and all that. And uh, somebody had a Senna and they said, hey, you you can, you know, here you go, take it. We've got the skid pad. You can do whatever you want. He's like, that thing is nuts. Yeah. He's like, it's just so much fun. He said, so it's going to be just a fantastic day in that car. Did he put it into the hay bales? <laughs> he did not. They didn't have hay bales there. <laughs> <laughs> just asking. Yeah. We uh, busted his chops about it the other day. We had uh, we, we had Von Gittin Jr. on, and he just mm-hmm. did the, the non-spectator version of Goodwood, and he had oh, the right. all-electric Mustang Mach-E, but the 1,400-horsepower version. And he took that thing into the grass and did like a, did like a 360 and, and back, and so we talked about Bill. The Mustang oh. Mach-E, is that the Mustang that doesn't look like a Mustang? Right. And it's the all-electric version. But Vaughn getting teamed up with Ford. Actually, it was his idea, largely his idea. He pitched them on this and said, can we make a crazy version of this? And and they ended up making a 1,400-horsepower, all-electric, all-wheel drive with the drift e-brake handle on it. And uh, And I think it runs three motors in the front. In line, like, hmm. and then four stacked up in the back, all just for power. And he can put as much power as he wants to almost the to to the front and the rear. Like it's just an insane, insane vehicle. He was talking about they built it, and there was a one little glitch in the software, just in the code, just one zero or one was flopped over. And he got at it, and he drove it, and he's like, guys, this is. It's cool, but it's not impressive at all. And they went back, and they're like, "Oh no, no, we, let me fix something in the code." And then he got in it again, and it was just a monster of a rocket. It was like one little thing in the software acted as like a huge rev limiter, like just a bit, you know. Mm-hmm. And he said once they took that off, he's like, "That thing just went nuts." The videos and stuff, and now with all the electric motors, it's loud. It's loud, mm. but has like a you know, of course, like the whining sound to it. But anyway, he did that at Goodwood. <laughs> How they hook up the three motors? So it's it it's chain? kind of hard to explain. It the there's it has some sort of uh, uh, like not a transmission where it's shifting gears, but it does have a drive system to it. And the motors are like like a round disc, and it's three discs in a row, like a spine, like mm-hmm. like you know. So there's three stacked in the front, and three and four stacked in the rear. And there, there's a 3D like animation of what this looks like, and uh, and and that with the battery going completely flat and low to the ground, it's a good sized vehicle and just handles. It, they they designed it to be able to do whatever he wanted to do, right? So mm-hmm. he can set it up for the drag racing or the drifting or on a on a road course or whatever, and it's just insane. How does I'm trying to think what that. Does that car, that Mustang E, sort of look like the Tesla baby SUV? It kind of does, but it has a really good profile to it. Uh, Chris can find the Mustang Mach-E photos, but one of the things they do on the roof line is it's body color to give it a nice swooping effect, and then it's blacked out up on the top, not the entire roof, just in the back. And it has a very good line to it. So when you see it from mm-hmm. from the side, it's going to be uh, something like two seventy horsepower and three thirty horsepower, and up to like four hundred and something horsepower, depending on the battery and in the base model or the GT model. See how the see how the rear of the trunk goes down 
Mm-hmm. It goes down <clears throat> swoopy. It almost looks like the the Mercedes SUV, but above it, there's a black shadow. That's right. that's the real roof line. It uh, really looks good. Yeah, it looks good. So I'm going to be driving one of those. I'm got, I got a couple more driving events coming up in December. I'm going to drive the Bronco Sport, which is the baby Bronco. And then a couple weeks after in December, I'm going to drive the Mustang Mach-E. They, the Bronco has a four-door? They do. So when when Ford released the Bronco, which they have now, it's it's Bronco and Bronco Sport. And then there's two-door versions of the Bronco and uh, and a four-door version of – the big Bronco is two-door and four-door and the Bronco Sport is just four-door. But the Bronco mm-hmm. Sport is like a 1.5-liter engine and a 2-liter engine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm going to drive that first and then we'll get into the other cars later. But the Mustang Mach-E, I went to the – the reveal of that, and I got to ride with one of the engineers, but in mm-hmm. a few weeks, I'm going to drive one as well. It should be interesting. The ranges are from 211 miles to 300 miles, again, depending on the battery and if it's rear-wheel drive or all-wheel drive or GT or not. So, But figure most people are probably going to get uh, – you know, people that listen to this show are going to want the GT version, and it's basically like a 270-mile range for the fast version of that, of that vehicle. What uh, – where do you get the charger, like the home charger? And then it, we always talk about the Tesla adapter, but um, – I, I don't know how – We don't know how that works, How right? this is going to work with, with them. Of course, Ford's going to have a charger. Uh, if you get some sort of fast charger in your house, um, if you can get 150 kilowatts – I don't know what that translates to if on your on your charger – you, you, you would have to tell me as the builder. You got to get the 240 going there. That's just about but, it. But if it can produce the 150 kilowatts, you can charge. Uh, you can do a quick charge in the Mustang Mach E. You can get 47 miles in 10 minutes mm. if you can produce 150 kilowatts. Yeah, I'm. I'm a little. You know, the problem. The problem with all the electric cars is when you're talking to the sales guy or the rep. They always give you the industrial charge, commercial charge that you would get, you know, I don't know, from the city or Mm -hmm. or whatever, their charging station. And they always give you that number and they always talk talk in terms of kilowatts. And then it gets confusing because you think they're talking about the one. I never think they're talking about the 110 or the one the 110 but i always think oh that's the 220 that's when you plug it in but they're not talking about that one they're talking about the next so there's always i think there's like three grades there's plug-in you know outlet 110 version which is always slow then there's the 240 uh plug it in but hook it up to 240 at home which is faster and then there's the one they're always talking about which is the commercial grade one yeah that's at the charging station but um, – and I also wonder, now that I think about it, you know, there's going to have to be something going on at home too because, you know, when I grew up, I think we had uh, – I don't even know how many amps the panel was in the mm-hmm. house I grew up in because we had those screw-in breakers. Yeah. And uh, the breakers would pop all the time and we'd have to just shove a nickel in there or a piece of tinfoil or something. That's how we rolled. I think it was yeah. probably my room. <laughs> that was probably like a... You had a nickel? <laughs> <laughs> that was probably like a 30 or 40 amp panel or something because yeah. in my entire house, there was no... All we had was wall outlets. We didn't have electric... Yeah. You yeah. know, we'd have a washing machine or microwave or, you know, right. a dishwasher, you know, clothes dryer, whatever. Everything was just plug it in so um and then then houses you know everyone would upgrade to like a 200 amp panel you know if they had a house from the 50s or the 60s you upgrade to a 200 amp panel but if you think about it a lot of these bigger houses nicer houses they have like a 400 amp panel they're going to have to do something at home possibly to get the charging that could probably step up the charging at home so that it got to whatever that commercial grade yeah. was. Chris, how many kilowatts does a 240 plug at home produce? You know, like how many kilowatts does your 
does the 240 plug for your dryer at home produce? I'm just curious to know, like, how close are we to getting to the number that these cars are starting to require for the fast charging? Because, you know, we talked to a lot of these companies going, oh, you can get 100 miles in 15 minutes or 47 miles in 10 minutes, but you need to plug it into a nuclear reactor. Right. <laughs> Feels to me that with the 240 charger at home, 100 miles, at least on a Tesla, is still about six hours away. Like it's not yeah. 45 okay. minutes. Yeah. So it's got to be producing less than 100 kilowatts on that plug, right? Oh, it, yeah. I, yeah. I would I would reckon, yeah. I don't know how you figure it out, but Chris I can try. I don't know. I just, I, it's not that important, but if you find it, I was just curious to know, like, if anyone at home is going, oh, I got a Tesla charger, I'm going to switch to a to a Ford or whatever, but it's only producing 78 kilowatts. I, I I haven't found that out yet, but I do know that the Mach-E will charge a little over half as fast as a Tesla. Um, and it costs $799 to, and they, they teamed up with Amazon to have Amazon come over and install it at your house. Oh, really? Yeah. So it's, it's about half as fast as the Tesla. Yeah. Oh. Seems like it could be faster. Seems like it could be faster. All right, let me tell you about the Overcrest podcast. Automotive journalist Chris Cleewell and perpetual optimist Jake Solberg discuss cars, culture, obscure motoring history, and a changing automotive landscape. Twice a week, they interview industry ex- experts, I should say, and historical automotive figures and give their commentary on the latest news in the car world. They specialize in deep dives into obscure automotive history they're porsche guys so they would say porsche instead of porsche uh but they're passionate about all areas of automotive culture and uh these guys love cars we love cars you listen to this podcast and if you listen to this podcast well then uh overcrest podcast will be another one you can enjoy be sure to check these guys out just search overcrest anywhere you podcast that's overcrest podcast all right. What else in the car world? You know the uh, what's going on with F one this year? I have no idea. Except uh, Lewis Hamilton's winning everything. He's still winning everything. <laughs> he, well, I, now he's broken the records now. So uh, yeah, he passed Schumacher. Uh, Schumacher. And uh, now there's just some speculation, and I don't know. I haven't been following it too much. I don't know if any decision's been made now that he's broken the records and he makes more money than anybody on the planet. Like, does he? come back? Does he do another season? I mean, he certainly could. He's at the top of his game. Do you pull a Seinfeld and, and just go at the top? Or or do you, you try to get a couple more seasons out of it? And I don't know. I mean, at some point, how do you just keep throwing more and more money? Right? Like, it's, somehow it's kind of has to plateau at some point. Do you just... You know, you'd be like, hey, you know, the team alone pays you, I don't know what, $60 million before endorsements. Do you step it up to 70, 80, 90? When does it not become – like when do you price yourself out of the game? <laughs> I don't know. Or do you I, just keep racing for you know for $60 million a year or whatever he's making? Well, he probably loves racing F1. And, you know, back in the day, um, F1 was super dangerous. And that was something you had to weigh in. I mean, if you were – Especially, you know, if you're 35 and you had kids, and I don't know what his situation is. I don't think he has kids. I don't, I don't think, think so. he's that old. But the the point is, is each year when you'd come back for F1, you had to weigh in the the risk of dying. Mm-hmm. It was a or or being maimed or you know you know crippled or paralyzed or something like that. I mean, you know, it was a pretty real consideration you had to really consider it and and like i said if you were married maybe your wife didn't want you to come back or maybe you know a co-driver died the year before like there there was a lot of that and you know that's kind of virtually been eliminated so if you you get rid of the danger i mean you get you know whatever your job is could be f1 driver could be window cleaner but you get rid of you could die when you come back. Yeah. You kind of open it up to coming back. Yeah. You know, it was funny that there was an F1, I guess the last F1 death they had was, 
God, probably about three years ago or something like that, semi-recently. And I remember hearing about guy died, you know, driving F1. And I was like, how do you die driving F1 these days? Jules Bianchi. Oh, 2015. So it's been five years. Um, I was like, how do you die driving F1? And, and what I mean is, is there's so much safety built into those cars, engineered on those cars. And then the tracks have all that runoff and gravel pit and stuff like that. Like, how do you do it? And how, how you do it or how he did it was just freakish circumstance, which is the tracks are super sta- safe. The cars are super safe. And somebody got off the track and they pulled like a big wrecker out there to like lift the car up or whatever. And he came around the corner and hit the wrecker. Oh. So that's that's how you do it. Like human error. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's not – you can't really – I mean, I guess you could, but it's hard to do on the track, and it's hard to do in the car, but if you pull a tow truck out onto the gravel, and then you hit the tow truck just right, then yeah. you will die, and that's that was the sort of freakish accident. Kind of yeah. reminds me of that uh, Toyota Grand Prix race I was race just going to say, yeah, Brett Tavern got hit, and then as they were towing him away, somebody hit him, and the, and the tow guy, the tow guy jumped in the air like a cat. That... <laughs> That was such a bizarre thing to pull the tow truck out yeah. onto the track around uh, one of the tighter blinder corners of the of the race, yeah. and also have it in a position where it was right on the racing line. Like you also I, have to kind of keep in mind who's on the track at the yes. time. You know, like who's driving. <laughs> well, they should have fucking red flagged it and stopped everybody. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, I was. Uh, yeah, I remember that. I was coming around that corner, and I couldn't see the tow truck. I just saw the car in front of me just do a complete, like, weave, just wham, like, out of the way. And I yeah. just, as soon as I saw the tow truck. It must have been something, right? Yeah. Yeah, well, I saw the tow truck as soon as they, as soon as they moved. But, I mean, they were damn lucky, that tow truck guy. I mean, he had to jump. He had, like, it a had... tow bar out there. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that was that was crazy. You have the F1 death rate, yeah, Max so... In F1, 15 drivers died in the 50s, 14 in the 60s, 12 in the 70s, 4 in the 1980s, and then uh, Roland Ratzenberger and Ayrton Senna in 1994, then 20 years of nobody dying, and then Jules Bianchi in 2015, who died from injuries sustained from a 2014 race. I don't, I don't really have the exact details oh, on that, but yeah. So yeah, that's how, the 14 that's, race is where he hit the tow truck. Yeah. So, yeah. So that uh, that's how like safe it's gotten. It's just yeah, twenty it, years. It's, it's interesting. I'd be curious to know how that compares to to Indy cars because Indy cars are when they're usually their accidents seem to be well the ones that result in death are the high speed oval because it's always kind of crazy to me that that portion of it is your open wheel and your wheel to wheel. Mm-hmm. And you're over 200 miles an hour, right? Right. Yeah. Like anything goes wrong is going to be catastrophic. It's it's huge at at that speed. This isn't like you slow down to 40 miles an hour to go into a turn, you know, right. and then you know whatever you're off the track or somebody bumps you from the rear and you know like this. It's just. I think the last one was on a road course though. Oh, Justin Wilson in 2015. Um. Pocono Raceway. Yeah. The uh and then what's his name uh died. God, I can't think of his uh, name. The guy won the Indy 500 and then died, you know, uh, 2 months later at Vegas, Arizona. That was on a kind of a road course. Yeah, was that Weldon? Yeah, Dan Weldon, I think, yeah. uh, got caught up in the fence or whatever. So the oval the oval seemed hairier, but I think uh, the last couple have died have probably died on a on a road course, or if not a road course, I I don't know. Well, neither died in Arizona, I think, and it wasn't. They had the uh, I don't know they had the like cement barriers up and the fence up. It seemed like kind of like Long Beach or something. Mm-hmm. It seemed like it seemed like it was a street course or something like that. Las Vegas Motor Speedway. 
It was Las Vegas. It was Las Vegas. But they must yeah. have been down on the infield. I don't think they were doing like the, the oval. I think they were doing like the road course or something, yeah. as, I, as I recall. I was there for Frankini's crash in Texas. Well, maybe he was up on the... Sorry, maybe he was uh, up up on the uh, up in the oval, or certainly up on the bank. Yeah, Pocono. That's a that's a road course. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Frankini. Yeah, I was I was at Texas for his crash, where it basically retired him. That was a road course, and uh, that one was kind of crazy because I'm pretty sure his his car even flew through the air and got caught like in the fence. That's the crash I'm thinking of. Yeah. You're right. That was a that was a crazy event as well. Yeah, <laughs> that was a crazy event. <laughs> I like the uh, I miss Dario. I know he's a good dude. Yeah, the indie guys are and good dudes, and his brother. Yeah, yeah Marino. We love the uh, we love the indie guys. Uh, what else you got? Well, let's see. Uh, as I was talking about the Ford stuff and uh, and the McLaren stuff. The other thing on the McLaren is is you know McLaren is moving all of their cars to what they're calling HPH, hybrid performance or high-performance hybrid. Mm-hmm. And uh, their their first vehicle is going to be called Artura. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be their first hybrid uh, supercar. It doesn't look wildly different than what's currently in their lineup, but the architecture is completely different and from the ground up designed around electrification. It's going to have their new twin turbocharged v6 engine combined with the battery power and and this is going to start going forward for the entire lineup all mm-hmm. their all their new cars are going to end up being some form of of hybrid performance yeah the I, I keep saying it but the electric stuff is moving so fast and you know if you think about think about how far the electric car has come from five years ago so, mm-hmm. you know, from 2015 to now, um, it's, it's come kind of leaps and bounds. I mean, everyone has an offering now. There's new stuff coming out every day. The range is up. The price is down. That kind of stuff. And so you think, all right, well, what will it be like five years from now? But forget five years from now, two years from now, because the, the way technology works is yeah. it just speeds up exponentially. So it's like five years you know, there was nothing going on. You know, take a look at the electric car from 2000 to 2015. Then they covered way more ground from 2015 to 2020 than they did from 2000 to 2015. And from 2020 to 2025, they're going to cover way more ground than they did in the last five years. Yeah, I'm 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 interested from a performance aspect in the hybrid version of things more so than I am in the EV version of things right now, because mm-hmm. I, I mean, ultimately what we're trying to do is, is less, you know, fewer emissions, better gas mileage. But if you can do it in a way with a lot of these vehicles where you're getting a performance benefit, and we've talked about this before, but you do a smaller displacement V6 turbocharged in something like a McLaren and you're going to make good horsepower on the top end, but you're probably going to lose some of that low-end grunt. But if you can fill that gap, you could fill that turbo lag with EV power, with electric motors and stuff. It's the combination of the two that I think really makes them interesting. Oh, yeah. No, it, it's 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 always been a an issue. I mean, it's always been a, a subject, which is, you know, I don't even know if it's turbo lag per se because they worked out a lot of those those problems but you have this small displacement motor and our engine i guess we have to say engine and motor now yeah. or we used to be able to just do it both ways <laughs> but um you have a small displacement engine and it's a super high performance engine and by nature it's making its peak horsepower at 9500 rpm or something like that if it's a real performance motor and uh maybe it's making its top torque at 7200 rpm Mm -hmm. or something like that but by nature i mean just like you know like a two-stroke motorcycle or or uh, any any kind of high revving performance vehicle you, you just you don't feel it at the beginning 
I mean, and, and by the way, it's not only that, it's slower than a Ford F-150 at the beginning because yeah. that's just the way the motors, it's just like my race cars. You don't you don't feel anything under 6,000 RPM. They, they feel slow and sluggish and they don't, they don't want to get along yeah. very well. So you put that electric motor in and that instant torque just picks up everything from, you know, zero to 5,000 RPMs. And now it's win-win because you have this crazy amount of torque produced on the low end right. from the electric motor and then the high-end stuff kicking in with the high-performance motor. That's that's win-win. Yeah, and you were talking about like we've we've you know we've managed to take so much turbo lag and stuff out of out of engines to make them much more drivable drivable. But that's there's a compromise in that. And what mm-hmm. you're talking about now is now we can design gas engines to be all of that top end power again and rely on the electric motors to fill in that gap. We don't have to, you know, a compromise by saying, oh, it still needs to be a little quick off the line and we got to make low end power. And how do we do that? And then, you know, do we spool up the turbos a little bit more? And then we, we, we're going to make a 7,800 RPM engine, but we really wanted more horsepower, which we could have done at 8,800. You know, mm-hmm. it kind of fills in the gap. Agreed. And, and also, um, I guess we have to factor in all these new 8 and 10-speed transmissions, too, versus, you know, my Porsche 935 is a 4-speed, and first gear is good for 90 miles an hour or something <laughs> like that. I mean, obviously, you're just not going to get it in the low yeah. end. All right, let me hit uh, Geico here. Do you own? Do you rent? Well, you probably do one or the other. How about you bundle some policies like your uh, automotive policy and your homeowner's policy or renter's insurance? You put them together, man. And it's a good thing there's Geico because uh, you can find out just how much you could be saving. by just going to Geico.com, get a quote, see just how much you could be saving by going to Geico. That is Geico.com. All right, let's take a, a quick break. We'll be right back with the second half of the show. Support for this podcast comes from Pluto TV. Ready to get away from it all? Free yourself with Pluto TV. Stream hundreds of channels and thousands of movies and shows all for free. Yeah, free. No contracts, no subscriptions, no fees. Imagine 24-7 channels of Narcos, CSI, Star Trek, Survivor, and everything else from hit movies to binge-worthy TV shows, the latest news, live sports, comedy, and more. What are you waiting for? Download the free Pluto TV app for Android or iPhone and start watching now. Pluto TV. Drop in. Watch free. So here we are, Matt. What uh, what else in the automotive world? You know, there's a lot of uh, a lot of talk about the Ram TRX coming out. This is yeah. one of your favorites. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where the uh, the Raptor's been so dominant in that area for ten years and g- getting all the money and all the accolades. You know, for Ford, mm-hmm. uh, the TRX uh, Ram did. <laughs> what I love about them is, is they they did their thing that they've been doing across the the board with their their Challengers and all the the crazy horsepower vehicles. As they said, first of all, how does a TRX be better than a Raptor? First of all, they call it a T-Rex, right? And then right. they make fun of it. Right. And then they go, let's go bigger horsepower, uh, even better suspension, uh, more capable on-road, more capable off-road, you know, more high speed. So they did all of the truck stuff. Mm-hmm. And then they went back and they're like, you know what this thing probably doesn't need? It'll be fun. Launch control. <laughs> so they just put it like a single button on the steering wheel. It's the easiest launch control you could use. And the truck goes zero to 60 in four and a half seconds on whatever, 35 inch tires. Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> the first generation of launch control was like you get the car up to 3000 RPM and then you tap the clutch once and then you For hold me, the emergency brake. It was in the Nissan GTR. Like real launch control was the early version of the GTR. And there were so many buttons. The first right. two times I did it, I was like, it didn't work. Right. I was like, right. I'm doing something wrong. Right. Hold this down for five seconds until it beeps and then get it up to 4,000 RPMs and then put your foot on the brake. Yeah, it was all this this dance you had to do. I don't know, rightfully so. Like maybe you have to earn launch control. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, – that Raptor, and now I'm guessing. Sorry, not the Raptor. The TRX. The TRX. I'm guessing the TRX and the Raptor are just full time 
all-wheel drive yeah. or there's no more obviously there's no more get out and lock the hubs anymore no and I'm, I'm i'm sure it's moving power from front to rear and doing everything it needs to do to make it a cool off-road capable vehicle uh, but these are all meant to be still fairly high speed off-road vehicles so even uh even the, the events that Ram set up for the mm-hmm. for people to go out and drive these things. These things are flying through the air, you know, off of jumps and just having a having the best time with you. Now, the other thing that TRX is doing that I think Ford dropped Ooh, the ball on is sorry, the sound. Sorry for jumping in. I I just had a thought. Mm-hmm. I just jumped into my head when you're talking about jumping and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> Somebody like Ford. We should talk to Farley over there. Um, they, you know, so they, they make, and I'm sorry for cutting you off, but we'll circle back. Um, they make all their bones and they get all their press clippings and everything out of the heritage stuff, like the limited edition throwback, you know, whatever stuff. And, and Ford does a nice job of that. And like we were talking about at the beginning of the show, they got their golf livery Mm -hmm. Ford GT and those are highly coveted, you know, they're. 500 grand and a regular one is 325 or whatever. Right. So the Bronco and the and the new Bronco's got a very old school, you know, obviously it's reminiscent of the old school Bronco. They need to do one up in an Oli's beer. Somebody's yeah, got to somebody's yeah. got to do that. Uh, I'm sure the aftermarket's already working on that, but Ford is actually working on a Bronco Raptor. So you're going to have several stages of the Bronco, but then you're going to get from the factory, the badass version of a Bronco Raptor. Now, I don't know if it's being meant to be that high speed, you know, off roader like the Raptor is, but it's going to be some version of that, which is going to be, which is going to be, yeah, but of course there's going to be a big only SEMA next year. There's going to be seven of those. <laughs> Who did that? It's not Gurney. Who the hell? God damn it. Who Was it Parnelli? Yeah, probably Parnelli Jones, Ole Bronco. I think it got stolen or something. But uh, that was the favorite sort of color scheme livery from uh, the Baja 500, yeah. Baja 1000. With the big wing on the roof. Yeah, that was a cool 70s piece. I'm trying it's to like think. It's orange like orange and white? No, like gold and white. Gold, gold and white. Yeah, that's a, I think that's a Parnelli Jones and I think that thing got stolen for some reason, and they found it or yeah. got it back or something it, like that. It's weird because you're going to Google it, and you're going to find all these replicas and things that have popped up over the year and tributes and stuff like that. You know, I, Let me tell you my my <laughs> least favorite quality in a man. They Google like the Oli's <laughs> Bronco, and they pull up a picture of one that has Krager rims on it, <laughs> and it's in a Costco parking lot. And they go, I, I got, it. got it. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it can't be it because it wouldn't be in the Costco parking lot, but it wouldn't have center lines or Kragers. Although, <laughs> I think that thing had center lines. It probably did. Back then, it probably was running I on. think that thing ran on center lines. Yeah. And you, you probably need a center line on, uh, you couldn't get the dubs in, <laughs> up in the hizzy. Yeah. <laughs> Is that how they say? <laughs> sure. You'd have to have center lines because you're hauling ass through the desert and you're just going through all these ruts and rocks yeah. and whatever. There all was, right. There I, was a tribute one that was built that we had here at the studio many, many years ago. The guys over at uh, Ford Performance. I cut. I cut. Yeah, I cut you off. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry, I, I Max Patty. You can find that. Let's see if it had center lines on it. I, I can kind of picture it with center lines. Uh, anyway, my 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 final points on on the TRX are: it's big, it's heavy, it's sixteen, it's six hundred pounds heavier than a Ram fifteen hundred because they really beefed up everything. They want people to beat on these things. The mm-hmm. chassis, everything is is much bigger. And then, of course, one of the biggest complaints about the Raptor is the sound when they went from the V8 Raptor to the V6 Raptor. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just sort That's of, why it, Brolin said, no, thank yeah, you. Yeah, right. It lacked the sound. And even a lot of the ones with the aftermarket exhaust, it just sort of ended up amplifying an already poor sound. So it, mm-hmm. it wasn't good. Where the TRX is just a beast of a of of an of a machine and that sounds incredible. So uh, I don't know. I kind of want to drive. I don't know where I'm going to go with it, but 
I went to the Ford Look, event. Where are you going to go with the up. McLaren Senna? Like, where do you go with any of this shit in L.A.? You got to go to the fucking nicest sushi place in town and yeah, just well, park I out would. front. It was closed. Oh, like, that's right. As, as a matter of fact, I had a reservation, and now they got canceled. So Ugh. I'm still going to drive, and I'm just going to eat sushi in the Senna out in front of the sushi restaurant and just take photos that way. Oh, that would be awesome. <laughs> All right. Hit your uh, Dodge. What yeah. You know, our, uh, we talked about Max Zapata. Where's our only uh, Bronco? There. there no, you go. I didn't have center lines. No. No. I don't know what kind of rims those were. Olympia beer. Big Ole. It's a cool piece because the gold and the white look awesome. The black hood and everything. The big scoop on top is, is hot. And then he picked this funky metallic blue for the cage. Yeah. And I don't know, like the weird kind of windshield off a golf cart that's blue. Right. It's like three inches tall. And yeah. yeah. I mean, it's cool. It's, I, again, you look at that thing, you're like, they raced this thing. And they you know, painted the inside of the wheels, the uh, slots and the mags the same color as they painted the roll cage, which is kind of kind of yeah. nice detail. Well, you're definitely going to see a big Ole tribute. Oh, you got it. At, at some point. I mean, so somebody's got to be Are they going to cut the roof off and do this big scoop on the Well, I I don't know how they're going to do that, but but the roof is removable and it's got some built-in structure and cage and stuff. So, I, I'm Mac, sure they could Max Batis, see if that thing was stolen. I think I had a memory. All right, uh, sorry. We looked that up. So we uh, our friends at Dodge, we all know that Dodge means horsepower and muscle, and now uh, Dodge is ranked JD Power uh, has ranked Dodge number one for initial quality. And Dodge has also been named Best Driver Appeal for Mass Market Brands by J.D. Power as well. That's number one in initial quality and appeal in the same year. It's the first time a domestic automotive brand ran away with both awards in the same year. You know, with enough horsepower and style and performance to make your muscle car dreams come true, it's no wonder they're racking up all these awards. There's never been a better time now to join the Brotherhood of Muscle. See your local Dodge dealer today or visit Dodge.com. Bill Strope, Parnelli Jones and Bill Strope, but that's not a – Steve Strope doesn't spell his name that way, does he? No. Sorry. Did, did that thing stolen, Max Zapata? Is there a story to that or am I making that up? I'm still reading about it. There's a lot about this car. Uh, yeah, there's a lot about it. It's a big – it's a fan favorite. You know, uh, as he's looking that up, uh, Ford did a virtual SEMA show mm-hmm. uh, and overall it was good. They, they – they, they have a great, robust performance parts catalog, and they teamed up with a bunch of companies, and they, they featured Bronco Sport, Bronco, and F-150, a little bit mocky, but uh, mostly the trucks. And they talked about you can go camping, you can go off-roading, you can get lift kits and suspension and a tent on the roof and ladders mm-hmm. here and kayaks mm-hmm. and all the racks and all that stuff. So there's going to be so much available for all of these vehicles that it's going to be fantastic. But watching the entire like virtual SEMA show thing, the one thing I kind of felt like they dropped the ball is it just felt like it was a big commercial of waste to modify the new vehicles that they were selling. Mm-hmm. It didn't touch on any of the hot rod stuff. It didn't mm. say, you know, hey, here's some new crate engines that are coming up, like the new the GT500. Mm-hmm. You know, Leno's got one in his vintage Bronco that they oh, debuted right, at right, SEMA. Right. That's going to be a crate engine, right? right and they right. didn't say anything about that. So it's uh, – it's, and and uh, the Godzilla engine, the 7.3 liter, which I misspoke I think a week ago. I said it was a mod motor, but um, it's not an overhead cam. Who makes that on. motor? Or Ford. engine. FSA engine. Yeah, the engine. It's a uh, uh, Ford. It's, it's in their Super Duty. It's like a 400 and – I don't know, 30 horsepower pushrod V8, but already everyone's getting them and modifying them and, and, and supercharging them and turbocharging them and adding this, and it's turning out to be a really cool modern day pushrod V8 engine you can get from the Ford catalog. So uh, no talk about any of that stuff from the SEMA presentation from Ford, which is a little disappointing. Well, you, you know, you know, we're, I think we're a little off the beaten path with a lot of our interests, which uh, uh, will we'll, we'll be in full effect when you watch any car show because uh, they're like, we got this 71 yeah. Camaro and we're going to lower it. And I'm like, uh, just to fucking do something cool. Yeah. 
Oh, speaking of cool stuff, and you mentioned Jim Farley recently uh, earlier in the show. I think he was out like uh, this past weekend um, racing maybe, I want to say, Road Atlanta in his Lola. Oh, and, and really? He, and, he, and he won. He, he took wow. the, the number one slot. So he Good was, on uh, him. We was, love that guy. I, I think it was Road Atlanta, but it was, it was green, green Lola. Yeah, he's yeah. fast. Great, he's fast, and he's a great guy. He's a great hang, and a good seeing, family man. Yeah, I think the big Oli was never was not stolen. I mean, there have been rumors that it, that's been stolen, but it's been in Parnelli's. Oh, there were ru- rumors that it was stolen. And I think Ooh. it was stolen and gone in sixty seconds. Oh, know. maybe that <laughs> maybe was it. What it was. <laughs> All right. Well, um, if you guys would like to uh, come out and see me in Burbank, Pickwick Bowl out in the parking lot. We're doing a parking lot show December 12th. And um, we're doing a car show there, too. So pull in. Bring what you got. We'll uh, judge some cars. We'll do some comedy. Naples, Florida. Matt's favorite place. January 16th, 17th. Off the hook. Go to AdamCarolla.com for all the live stuff. What do you got, Matt? Uh, I'm going to be posting all that stuff about the McLarens next week. So just uh, give me a follow at, at Motorator on social media. So until next time, Sam. Corolla for Matt, the moderator, DeAndrea saying, keep the air in the spare and the bag in the wheel. For the latest updates and call-in times, follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CarCast Show. If you'd like to write in, fill out the form on CarCastShow.com. And don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes. CarCast is a Corolla digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana. For more information, visit CarCastShow.com. Geico, maybe you own your home or you rent your home. Either way, it can be a lot of hard work. But you know what's easy? Bundling your policies with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. And that's a good thing, too, because you already have so much to do around your home already. So just go to geico.com, get a quote, and see how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit geico.com today. That's geico.com. Support for this podcast comes from Pluto TV. Ready to get away from it all? Free yourself with Pluto TV. Stream hundreds of channels and thousands of movies and shows all for free. Yeah, free. No contracts, no subscriptions, no fees. Imagine 24-7 channels of Narcos, CSI, Star Trek, Survivor, and everything else from hit movies to binge-worthy TV shows, the latest news, live sports, comedy, and more. What are you waiting for? Download the free Pluto TV app for Android or iPhone and start watching now. Pluto TV. Drop in. Watch free.